Thank you, Kate. Today, we find ourselves in 1 Kings. Now, 1 and 2 Kings were written to tell future believers Israel's faith history. They were written to give encouragement and courage to future believers that no matter what problems they currently faced, they could look back at, the, at what happened to their faith ancestors and know that they served a faithful God. Now, where we are in 1 Kings is at the 17th chapter. What has happened is that the Israelite king Ahab has, um, he and the prophet Elijah aren't getting along at all. Ahab has married a woman named Jezebel, and Jezebel helped convince Ahab to build a temple to her god. And so the Jewish people were starting to go to this other temple. They were starting to serve this other god. And the drought comes across the land. The people are hungry. And that's where we pick up with today's scripture lesson, 1 Kings 17, verses 8 through 16, that says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go now to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and live there, for I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he set out and went to Zarephath. When he, being Elijah, came to the gate of the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel so that I may drink. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Do not be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of meal will not be emptied and the jug of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. She went and did as Elijah said, so that she as well as he and her household ate for many days. The jar of meal was not emptied, neither did the jug of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. On Wednesday night, some of our young adults put together a time of prayer for a four-year-old boy and his family. And that night, Brian read for us Psalm 42. In Psalm 42, it starts out by talking about a deer longing to find water. And water is a source of life. 
And the writer compares a deer longing to find water, longing to find life, to how the writer longs for God's presence and longs to see God's face. And it hit me when Brian was reading that psalm that night, how often it is that we face droughts. How often it is that we thirst for God. How often it is that we hunger for a miracle. How often it is we hunger for God to show up. It hit me that we know what it is like to face droughts. And in today's text, we meet a widow and a single mom whose country is experiencing a physical drought. And this woman is gathering sticks when she meets God's prophet Elijah. And Elijah has just traveled a long way. And Elijah asks for a little bit of water. But then he also asks her if she could bring him a little bit of food as well. And it is then that this woman reveals her reality of what the drought has done. And she explains to this man that she is gathering sticks so that she may take them home and start a fire to cook a final meal for herself and her son. She's counted out her rations, and she knows that they're on their last bit. This woman, she has faced the reality of what this drought has done. She is living, preparing to die. But it is to this woman that Elijah looks at her and says, I promise you, I promise you by the living God that if you bring me just a little bit of what you are going to make, that you and your son will not go hungry during this drought. And what does this woman do? Does she laugh in his face, as I think many of us would have done? Does she say, okay, but never return? No, this woman goes home, bakes the bread, and brings some to this stranger. I have to be honest in that if I were in this woman's shoes— with a child to care for, in the midst of a drought, I don't think even as a believer that I would have shared with this man. They weren't of the same faith. They weren't from the same country. She knew how little she had left. And this stranger is asking for her to share. I don't know if I would have But this widow chose to. 
again, we know what it is like to face droughts. It always seems like there's a shortage of food, a shortage of resources, a shortage of money, a shortage of time, a shortage of love to go around, and a shortage of miracles. And what happens when there's a drought, when there's a shortage? We keep for ourselves and our loved ones whatever we can for survival. And sometimes it's not even when we're in the midst of a drought. Sometimes it's the memory of a drought that we've gone through that causes us to keep for ourselves whatever we can. Or it's the fear of a drought to come that makes us afraid to share. And yet, in today's text, we meet a woman who is not of the Jewish faith, who chose to give out of the last of what she had to a man she only knew as a prophet of the Jewish God. Earlier, I said that this woman was living, preparing to die. But in that one act of sharing, in that one act of giving out of the last of what she had, she chose to live abundantly. And that may seem like a far stretch to make, living abundantly. But abundance is about having plenty. Abundance is about living in a way, acting in a way that says that there is enough for not just ourselves. Doesn't that sound how we as believers are called to live? As a people of abundance? As a people who do not face a drought and simply give in to defeat, keeping for ourselves everything that we can? To live abundantly is for us to remember that in what God has given us, there will always be enough to share. To live abundantly, for example, is to live as I think our band members. Because all of them have full-time jobs, all of them have families, one's even taking night classes, and yet they give about three hours of their time every week to prepare for worship. They all have busy schedules, but they give of their time. For us. To live abundantly is to live as a girl I knew in seminary. She worked two jobs to pay for school, to pay for food. But when her first November came up in New Jersey, she took a hundred dollars that took her about 10 to 12 hours of work to earn 
and she slipped it anonymously, anonymously under the door of another girl who she knew needed that money to buy a proper jacket so that she wouldn't freeze in a New Jersey winter. To live abundantly is to do as one of our church families did only a few weeks ago after just laying a family member to rest. They, out of their love, wanted to check on another church member who was about to have to do the same thing. To live abundantly to do as some of our young adults did last Wednesday night. And no matter what else was going on in their lives, took the time, made the time to bring together people to pray for another family. To pray for a drought that another family was going through. That's just some of the ways that it means to live abundantly. But droughts will come and they will try to make us second guess that God has given us enough of what we need. Droughts will come and they will try to make us second guess God's goodness and God's grace and God's love and God's presence. Droughts will come and they will tell us that we have to keep everything we have to ourselves. We don't have the time. We don't have the love. We don't have the money or the food to share with another. But we have to remember not to let a drought control how we live as believers. Instead, we're called to stand firm in our faith, to remember the God who throughout generations has been faithful to his people, to stand in awe of this God and remember that this is a God who will never let a drought be our reality. Instead, It was in the face of droughts. It was in the midst of people crying out over thousands of years that the God of Elijah, that the God who created the heavens and the earth, came to his people came to us, who he calls his children, to show us the links and depths of his mercy and love for us. Jesus came and he met people in the midst of their droughts. And he acknowledged their pain and he wept with them. He didn't just shrug it off. Yet Jesus never let a drought be the final word. 
Instead, it was at a table that Jesus took bread, broke it, said to his disciples, this is my body that I will break so that you will know that you never have to hunger for God's presence. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood, my love that I will pour out so that you all may know that you are covered in God's love. For God came to show us that a drought will never be our reality. God came to show us, to remind us that if we just turn to our creator and sustainer, in the midst of any drought that we are in, that it is there in him that we will find the source of life. We will find our hope. There are way to keep living. So it is to you, O oh Lord, we turn this day, during this meal, at this table, praying that you pour out your spirit upon these gifts of bread and wine and upon us gathered here, that we may be the potty of Christ for this world, that we may be a, pe- a people who know what it means to live abundantly, a people who do not keep for ourselves, but who know what it means to share, to be there for those going through their own droughts. We trust in you, O Lord. Amen. Those who are helping to serve will make their way forward. Um, At St. Matthew's, we have an open table. It means that you do not have to be a member of this church or any church to take communion. This is God's table. This is God's meal. We only ask that you come seeking to meet our living Lord. So when you come forward, you know, a little bit just how whenever you feel led to, you can come, and if you have an offering, you can put it in the basket on either side. And you come, and you'll receive a piece of bread. Body of Christ broken for you. Body of Christ broken for you. Body of Christ broken for you. And then you'll be invited to dip it in the cup. The blood of Christ poured out. The blood of Christ poured out. The blood of Christ poured out for you. Then you eat it. And if you want or feel led, you can come and kneel and pray or simply return to your seats. Again, this is your time to come and encounter a God who will never let a drought be the final word of our lives. So come as you feel led.